TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. If you missed our show this morning, Mornings with the Coach, here's what you missed. Well, good Thursday morning to everyone and welcome to 97.3 The Fan. Coach John Cantero with you once again from now until 8 o'clock today. we got an early Padre baseball uh, game. I will have the uh, pregame show coming up at 8.10. The first pitch uh, this morning right here on 97.3 The Fan will be at 9.10. Padres uh, trying to have a winning record on this road trip. They uh, stubbed their toe big time last night. They had ample opportunities late in the ball game, unable to capitalize, and they ended up losing the Atlanta Braves last night, uh, five to one. Lot to get to today. Uh, we got a great show planned for you. Coming up at six twenty, we're going to talk with a former U.S. national team soccer player, the great Julie Foudy, going to join us on the program. She's involved uh, with a running program. Uh, with uh, Dick Sporting Goods, so Julie going to stop by at 6.20. We've heard over the last couple of days about Joe Theismann talking with the young uh, quarterback out of Ohio State, Dwayne Haskins, about wearing Joe Theismann's number seven. It's not been worn uh, with the Redskins since 1985. Joe Theismann yesterday gave uh, Dwayne Haskins permission to wear uh, number seven. So Joe Theismann going to join us on the program this morning at 6.40. We'll uh, get you the Padres Rewind this morning at uh, 7.20. And then we're going to also talk with Jim Callis, senior writer for MLB Pipeline, talk about the Padre organization, and also ask Jim about maybe who the top two or three prospects are for the Major League Draft coming up in uh, June. Well, let's get to the Padre game last night. And, boy, you talk about a little uh, frustration last night, especially uh, late in the ballgame. We talked a lot yesterday about uh, the youngster, Cal Quantrill, going to make his Major League debut. I thought Quantrill threw pretty well last night. He had a little bit of a problem in the first inning. You'd expect that first Major League game, uh, the son of a former Major Leaguer. But he got through that inning, only giving up uh, one run. Uh, in fact, Cal Quantrill last night went five and two-thirds, gave up six hits, two earned runs, a walk, and three strikeouts. So once again, the Padres call a guy up from AAA, and the guy does the job. I mean, we saw that earlier in the year with Pedro Avila, uh, who uh, pitched very well that night when he threw against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Unfortunately, the boys couldn't hold a 6-1 to lead that night. But Quantrill, I think, uh, definitely accorded himself rather nicely last night. Padre went to the bullpen last night. Robbie Erlin, a third of an inning. Luis Perdomo had all kinds of problems last night. He ended up giving up a two-run homer to Dansby Swanson. Perdomo last night, one inning, three hits, and three earned runs. Matt Whistler, uh, one shot out inning. Uh, I guess the bright spot last night, if, if you could find a bright spot in the ball game, was uh, Quantrill number one, and Manny Machado hit his first homer in 56 at-bats, and it was a laser beam over the center field wall for his uh, fifth homer of the uh, year. Uh, Max Fried, the former Padre number one pick back in 2012, threw, a, I thought, a fantastic game last night against his former organization. The young uh, Freed went seven innings, gave up four hits a run. He had seven strikeouts last night. Uh, improved his record to four and one and dropped his ERA down to 211. So uh, a good night for Max Fried, the former Padre number one draft pick. 
You know, I look at the Padres last night offensively. They mustered only five more hits last night. They left six runners on base. They were 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. And we can go up and down the lineup right now. I mean, I'll start with Will Myers. Will Myers last night, 0 for 3. He did have a walk. (sighs) Will's average now, 240 on the year. Check this out. He's 5 for his last 41. He's 1 for 20. He's hitting 193 so far this year against right-handed pitching. And in the last 30 days, he's hitting a robust 218. How frustrating is it to watch Will Myers at the plate sometimes? Fran Mill Reyes, a 1-for-4 night. Manny Machado, a 1-for-4. Hunter Renfro, 0-for-4. I'll get to Renfro in a minute. Eric Hosmer, 0-for-4. But Renfro and uh, has had his moments. Hosmer's been playing pretty well. Ty France getting a start once again last night. Got to put the ball in play. Struck out a couple of times, 0-for-4. Actually, struck out three times last night, I believe. 0-for-4 uh, for, for Ty. Uh, Francisco Mejia, 1-for-4. Uh, Quantrill was 0-for-2. He had a nice sacrifice, a bunt. Unfortunately, Mejia got cut down at third base. He just didn't quite uh, get it away from Brian McCann, the catcher, far enough. Greg Garcia came in, uh, drew a walk. But the Padres right now, check this out. And, and I know everybody's going to go, well, what about the hitting coach? What about the hitting coach? We talked about Johnny Washington the other day. We talked about some of the other Padre hitting coaches of yesteryear the other day. It's not the hitting coach's fault. These guys have got to get in the box and swing the bat. Right now, the team's hitting 218. You know what's even worse? They're on base percentage. They're only hitting 279 right now. So what do you do? What do you do with this ball club? And then you go, you talk about frustration. I was on the phone with a buddy of mine who works for the Washington Nationals last night. He called me. He was on his way back from uh, watching uh, a couple of young ballplayers uh, yesterday here in San Diego. So we're chatting on the phone, and I'm kind of giving him the play-by-play on what's going on with the ball game. I mean, yeah, the boys are down, uh, you know, five to one right now, but man, they're, they're loading the baser. Uh, Ian Kinsler gets a base hit. By the way, Ian Kinsler played really well last night. He looked like the old Ian Kinsler. Uh, last night, Kinsler, his first time up, ripped a shot just to the left of, uh, the third baseman. Third baseman came up, threw him out, but then Kinsler had a couple of hits in the ball game last night. Maybe that'll get him going a little bit. But anyways, in the eighth inning, Kinsler leads off with a single to center. Greg Garcia hit for Luis Perdomo. He drew a walk. Boy, he get, does a good job of getting on base. Will Myers walked. So you, you're down 5-1. to one. You got the bases loaded in the eighth inning, and you got exactly the guys you want to be coming to the plate. You couldn't have scripted this any better for another great Padre comeback. You got Fran Mill Reyes, you got Manny Machado, and you got Hunter Renfro. I mean, can you think of a better uh, threesome right there with the bases loaded and nobody out? Reyes grounds into a fielder's choice. Uh, he ends up uh, hitting the ball uh, to the infield. Uh, they uh, throw the runner out at the plate for the first out. Bases still loaded. Manny Machado strikes out. So now you got two outs and the bases loaded. You haven't scored. And Hunter Renfro comes up. And he takes strike three right down the middle. I mean, it was right down Broadway. You couldn't have handed it to the catcher any better than that. What are you looking for? you got to always look fastball, and you adjust to a breaking ball. I mean, that was frustration at its highest level last night. Padres could not score one run with the bases loaded last night. That's, that's inexcusable, quite frankly. 
you have to find a way to get the job done. You got to look for a ball up in the zone and at least drive it to the outfield for a sacrifice fly with less than two outs. And the Padres got absolutely zilt out of that last night. So now, today, uh, they're going to send a left-hander Matt Strom to the mound. Strom's still looking for his first victory of the year. Going to go against a right-hander, Mike Fultonavich, who uh, started the year on the uh, IL because of bone spurs. Boy, I was thinking about this last night when I was reading the article. He started the year on the IL with bone spurs in his right elbow. He's only pitched in one big league game. He made a couple of starts uh, down in the minor leagues. And again, our pregame show going to get underway at 8-10. The first pitch will be at uh, 9-10. Very frustrating ball game last night for the San Diego Padres. But again, going back to uh, Cal Quantrill, I thought the young man accorded himself. Uh, now the Dodgers ended up getting beat last night 2-1. to one. Uh, Buster Posey, a two-out RBI single in the bottom of the ninth, and the uh, Giants take two out of three from the Dodgers. The Dodgers now sitting at uh, 20 and 13. They have a one-game lead over the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, and they have a two-game lead over our San Diego Padres. So the Padres win today. They could be a game and a half back with the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw coming to town tomorrow night. And by the way, tomorrow, uh, Dodger manager Dave Roberts will join us on the program at about 8.40. Tomorrow we also have our Friar Fridays. We're going to find out a little bit later this morning uh, who our guest will be uh, tomorrow. We'll look forward to that. And uh, we're also going to try to give you a nice uh, preview of the Kentucky Derby tomorrow on the program. Want to get to phone calls this morning. Again, we only have a three-hour show, but i got to tell you, Hammer's been working hard on those phone lines out there. People wanting to call in and talk sports with Coach John Cantera, 5 to 9. Our phone number, 833-288-0973, 833-288-0973. Angels get a nice win last night over Toronto, 6-3. to Mike Trout, 2 for 4. He had a three-run double in the fourth, and Albert Pujols drove in his 1,998th run last night. So a nice win for Brad Osmus's Angels. Angels trying to climb back to the 500 mark with the win last night. They're now uh, 14 and 17. Uh, tonight, and they'll go against Toronto once again. It'll be right-hander Aaron Sanchez going for Toronto and left-hander Tyler Skaggs going for the Halos. Uh, getting over to basketball last night, I didn't see a lot of this game last night. But what I saw were two teams that were competing their tail off. The bench is emptied late in the ball game. We'll see if any players are suspended because you had some players come off the bench. And, you know, the NBA, if you come off the bench, you, you get fined, you get suspended. We'll see uh, what comes of that. But Portland, even the series last night with a 97-90 to win over the Denver Nuggets. C.J. McCollum, 20 points. Roddy Hood uh, coming off the bench last night for the Blazers. Played a heck of a ball game. He ended up with 15. Enos Kanter, 15 points, nine rebounds. Uh, Damian Lillard last night in the ballgame struggled. He only had 14. He was only 5 of 17 last night in a losing cause for the Nuggets. Uh, Nicole uh, Jokic, 16 points, 14 rebounds, and the veteran Paul Millsap, 14 points and 11 rebounds. Game 3 tomorrow night in Portland. Uh, tonight, Eastern Conference Semifinals. Game 3, it'll be Toronto going into Philadelphia. That series tied at one game apiece. Uh, tomorrow night in Eastern Conference Semifinals, Game 3, It'll be Milwaukee and Boston. That series tied at one game apiece. And also tomorrow night, Game 3 in the West, it'll be uh, Denver and Portland uh, going at it uh, once again at the uh, Moda Center. Pretty good overall effort last night by the young uh, rookie, the former number one pick in 2016 of the San Diego Padres, Cal Quantrill. Uh, I was actually pretty impressed with him. Early on, 
I'm going, wow, is he even going to get out of this first inning? But he got out of it, only giving up one run, and uh, he looked pretty good after that. Looked like he settled in and uh, pitched a pretty good ball game. He got saddled with the loss last night, but nonetheless, uh, a good outing. I would imagine they're going to ship him back down to the minor leagues, but I think uh, we will definitely uh, see him uh, uh, sooner rather than later. Pretty good uh, job last night. Padres, you got to score more than one run. Hopefully they're able to do a little more damage today against the right-hander and the veteran 27-year-old Mike Fultonavich. And again, Matt Strom uh, pitching pretty well last couple of starts, uh, but still looking for his first uh, W of the season. Let's get out to the phones, then we're going to get to Jim Russell here uh, shortly. Our phone number, 833-288-0973, 833-288-0973. We head out at 518 in the morning on a beautiful Thursday in America's finest city, and welcome in Rocco. Rocco, welcome to 97.3 The Fan. How are you this morning? Hey, Coach, how you doing, buddy? I just want to say I'm so happy your station picked up Let's Talk Hookup on the weekends. I really missed it the last few weeks, and uh, I think it's uh, A-plus from your station for picking that up, buddy. Well, you know, Pete Gray and I have a long association uh, dating back to my days at 690, and uh, when I uh, found out uh, what was going on over on the other street corner, I got a hold of Pete, and we got him in here for a meeting, and very happy that he wants to be a part of this great team here at 97.3 The Fan. He's a good one. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach. I think they're kind of like a San Diego icon that... that radio show i don't know how long it's been on the air but it's been a long time well it's been uh, on the air i want to say since 90 i want to say 93 i'll have to check with pete on that but you know on on saturday mornings uh you know years ago when i was at 690 um we uh uh, I used to do a Saturday morning show, and I do a lot of stuff on Saturdays. A lot of times I was getting out of my seat uh, and walking out, and Pete was walking in. So over the years, I've developed a really, uh, you know, very good relationship with Mr. Gray. And, of course, when he first put that show on the air, his uh, co-partner uh, in those days was old Marty Milner from 1 Adam 12. And then, uh, you know, Marty... Uh, you know, uh, eventually had some illness and eventually passed away. And he brought in Rock Cod Rick as a very, very young man. And uh, Rock Cod Rick doing a great job working now with Pete Gray on Let's Talk Hookup. And that'll be on uh, this coming uh, Saturday from 7 to 9 and Sunday 7 to 9. Yeah, it's great. Coach, you know what I want to get to is the two big ticket free agents in baseball last year are kind of laying an egg at the beginning of this year, <laughs> Machado and Harper. Harper has been getting booted. Philly already, and Machado's lucky he, sat, he signed in a you know nice and relaxed San Diego because he's been really underwhelming so far as a Padre. And I, I think he's going to get it going, just like I think Harper's going to get it going. But I'm just, I think Machado is lucky he didn't sign in one of those big East Coast city markets, Coach. Well, Rocco, I think you bring up a good point. In fact, uh, you know, I was thinking about that actually last night when I watched Machado strike out there with the bases loaded in the eighth inning. I mean, to this point, uh, he's pretty much gotten a free pass. I think all the Padre fans are just enamored with, wow, the Padre spent $300 million for, you know, a guy like Manny Machado. Well, that's great. At some point in time, he's going to start picking it up. But, boy, I sure wish he'd hurry up and make it happen. Yeah, it's crazy. I thought he would come in here hot, but I just hope that he doesn't go the route of a lot of pottery free agents over the years and kind of starts to retirement mode early coach no i don't think so i mean uh, if you know anything about this guy's background he loves the game he loves to play he takes a lot of pride in his game uh and we know we had andy green on last friday rocco and and we talked about you know how 
Manny uh, kind of you know trying to do a little bit too much, and 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 Andy talked about like in that first home series that Machado really wanted to do special to kind of you know get the fans all fired up, and he was just swinging too hard, he was trying too hard, and you know now he's just trying to find himself a little bit. I'll tell you the other thing, it would help if guys like Will Myers would start swinging the bat. It may, uh, and Hosmer started to swing the bat here in the last you know ten days, but you know if you could get some other guys hot in that lineup, uh, they'd have to you know maybe give Machado a few better pitches to hit because right now he's not getting a lot to hit and I, I think at times he kind of wanders out of the strike zone swinging the bat trying to make something happen yeah it looks like will myers it looks like will myers from last year last few weeks and uh i just hope they get it going coach because this pitching staff's doing pretty well for being such a young staff i think they're doing a pretty damn good job i agree with you and uh, again uh, let's talk hook up rocco bright and early uh seven o'clock on uh, saturday and sunday morning and i have to raise my hand because when i'm driving around early on saturdays especially i love uh, let's talk hook up i've learned a lot from pete gray and all the the people he's had on that show over the years so we're really excited about having him here at 97.3 the fan have a great day rocco look forward to hearing from you again uh, thanks, Coach. You're another San Diego icon on the radio still. I love you, buddy. Well, thank you. I appreciate that a, a great deal. Our number, 833-288-0973, 833-288-0973. Uh, Jim Russell, good morning, my friend. How you doing? Morning, Coach. I'm okay. Kind of fired up, though, about uh, our show today. We got some great guests today, don't we? We do have some great guests, but we have some things to talk about. I know. Well, let's start with Will Myers. I mean, the numbers don't lie, Coach. It, no. it, it's getting to a point where you kind of like, what do you do with Will? I mean, he's making all this money, and you have to play him. That is correct. But he's hurting this team. Uh, I think he's not the only one, right? He's now. not the only one, and we're not singling Will out. We're not going to single anybody out because it's a team effort. But I mean, as a team wise goes, when you get the bases loaded with no outs, you have to score. It's unexcusable and to you, not. And you had the three guys you'd want coming up. You got a friend, Mel Reyes, Manny Machado, and Hunter Renfro. And I think the most frustrating part of that entire sequence was the pitcher beforehand, I don't know who it was, I forget his name, but he walked too straight. Yeah, it was Webb. And Fran Meal, while he has unlimited power, sometimes he doesn't have good plate discipline. And swinging at the first, I think he swung at the second pitch or the first pitch. But it was it was like very early in the at bat, and he swung wide away, right away. Like, come on, you have to know this guy has no command right now. You have to let the bat come to you. You can't just swing out of your shoes when you know this guy's walked two straight guys. Like, you have to let the pitcher go in the strike zone, and he didn't let the, let that happen. Same with same thing with Machado. I feel like Machado in every big situation this year, it, he's trying too hard. I, he had the same. It's the same thing that happened in Washington. He had an opportunity to win the game on Sunday, and it didn't. He didn't come through. And it feels like uh, there's been a lot of situations this year where that's happened with Machado, especially at the beginning of the year when he when Andy Green said that he was trying too hard. It looked like, and he was. Oh, the uh, the first home series, it was a crazy. I mean, how he, hard swung, he was swinging. He was like the. I remember when we went to the game. I think you were there too. He the very first pitch he would he dropped to a knee he swung so hard that's right so like that the, the pitching was the was the thing we were most concerned about at the beginning of the year and I feel like the pitching is a strength of this team now 
and it's always been a strength of this team. Pitching's always been a strength of the Padres. Especially, especially the, the bullpen. Especially the bullpen. And I was looking it up. Out of their 17 wins, you know how many wins they have of three runs or more? Uh, I would say two. Three. Three. And every other game, Kirby Yates has saved him. So, and Kirby Yates, as great as he's been this year, he's not going to be perfect. And if, no, he's, and if his he's, arm's going to fall off, they keep running him out there. His arm's going to fall off, or he's going to blow a couple games, or he's going to... It, He's not going to go 50 for 50 and save opportunities. And if he does, then that's an amazing year. But well, he's not Trevor Hoffman. But, he's not, but he's, yeah, he's not Trevor Hoffman. So you got to win games by more than three runs here. And they won one in, in Washington in extra innings because the bullpen in Washington sucks. So ideal, like realistically, they've only won two games in a nine inning game by more than three by more than three runs. Like you got to score more. Like it, you just have to win games by more than three runs with this, with this team. You can't keep running this bullpen out there and help, expecting them to save the day. Well, a week ago, when I looked at their team batting average, it was two twenty nine. Then it went down to two twenty eight. Then I looked at it this morning. They're hitting two eighteen right now as a team. Two eighteen, and, and they're on base percentage. That was an area that, that they really wanted to improve upon. Their on base percentage right now is two seventy nine. That's pathetic. Pathetic. Yeah, it's it's not it's not good. It's not good at all. And the, at the beginning of the year, they were getting walks. It felt like it felt like they were more patient at the plate. We all said, "Wow, this team is actually being really patient." And now it's kind of just gone down the wayside. Well, it's gone down the wayside. Now today, they could come back and you know hit the ball all over the ballpark and score four runs and win four to three. They're winning a lot of you know three to two, four three, five four type ball games. But uh, again, you keep waiting for this team to really you know bust out one guy, maybe have four or five RBIs in a ball game. You know, a guy like a Renfro or a Will Myers who certainly has the capabilities. Uh, Manny Machado and Eric Hosmer. I don't want a four three win. Some, you got some really good guys in this lineup, but they're underperforming. Right now, I don't want a four three win. I want a seven one win. I want a win where they can. I want a happy flight is what I want. I want a right. winning road trip. Go four and three. Cut it down to a game and a half uh, behind the Dodgers, and then take your shot against Kershaw tomorrow night and see what kind of damage you can do this weekend. Now look, a win's a win. Like however you win doesn't matter. But at the same time, you're putting so much pressure on this bullpen and this in the starters to be kind of perfect when you don't have the offense behind you. And you're asking young pitchers, young pitchers, young pitchers. that are trying to get their feet on the ground securely uh, in the big leagues to be almost perfect to where if they give up more than a couple of runs, they're going to get beat. And they've done really well. Like we're, I'm not like dogging on them. The pitchers, the young pitchers have all performed really well. Like I can't even think of an instance this year. Well, Joy Lucchese a couple times. But other than that, I can't think of an instance where you, the pitching staff, the young pitching staff, has just imploded on itself. Yeah, it hasn't been a, a case, Jim, where you know you and I and Jeff and Hammer, we come in here and go, oh man, that guy stunk yesterday. I mean, they're giving the guys an opportunity to win each and every day. I said that the other day that you know what you want out of a, a major league ball club when you run your fifth starter out there, you want the other guys on the team to think, hey, you know what, we got a chance to win today. There's a lot of teams in major league baseball when they get down even to their third guy. Third fourth, fifth guy in the rotation, the team's going, oh, man, we better do something today because this guy's not going to you know, hold the other team down. We're going to have to score a bunch of runs. And teams go into games thinking that way, and that puts a lot of pressure on the hitters. But with this Padre ball club, I don't care what pitcher you mentioned in the starting rotation, they're giving a pretty good effort right now and keeping guys in the games until you can bridge the gap and get to the bullpen. 
and I and like you said, like I feel pretty confident. I think we all do with any pitcher they throw out there right now. Oh, like, absolutely. Like, I mean, maybe Joey Lucchese is the exception right He's now. He's been a little up and down so far for me. He started the year out really well, but lately it's been kind of an adventure. Yes. Um, but besides him, I would say every single guy that they throw out there every single day, you're pretty comfortable with and expect to win. I'll tell you who I got a lot of confidence in is Nick Margavichus. I got a lot of confidence in that guy. I really like the way he goes about his business. It's a great honor to welcome uh, Julie Foudy to the program here on our SDCCU uh, fan hotline. Julie, Julie uh, good morning, and how are you? I'm doing great. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing well. Great to have you on. Of course, uh, I remember you and uh, Shannon McMillan and the whole gang playing here yeah. for the San Diego Spirit in the uh, WUSA a number of years ago, and I'm still kind of scratching my head why they can't bring that league back. I know. Good times. That was our field of dreams down there at University of San Diego. Yeah, you know, uh, the thing I was going to say, a lot of people don't know this. You were actually born in San Diego, weren't you? I was. I was. Um, I was born in San Diego and lived there uh, the first two years of my life and then moved up to, to the O.C., sadly. <laughs> hey, I, I want to get uh, into what you're doing in the month of May, uh, and a lot of people may be aware that people, especially in Southern California, people are always very health conscious and wanting to get out and work out, but May is National Runner's Month, and uh, you've teamed up with Dick Sporting Goods on a, a really uh, neat venture. Could you kind of go in and, and let everyone know, Julie, how they could get involved in this? Yeah, it's really cool, actually, and and. You know, as you mentioned from my days of running on the soccer field, now in my post-soccer playing days, I'm still out there running. So I said I would love to share what you're doing with Dick's Sporting Goods. And what they're doing is beyond they're sponsoring 20 races nationally and it's actually National Runner's Month here at Dick's Sporting Goods, but they also um, have organized a virtual race so that they can get all runners engaged. And this is what I love about it because... So basically, you don't have to sign up for an organized race. You can sign up online on dicks.com slash runyourrun, and you get to choose your distance, your pacing, when you want to do it, how you want to do it. Um, and so they're trying to obviously reach out and get a wider breadth of people running and active and out there. And the other really cool thing, this is near and dear to my heart, is $5 for every registration fee goes to Girls on the Run, which is a wonderful nonprofit that supports girls getting active and out there running, of course, but it also empowers them to be great humans in life. Julia, is there a website uh, where uh, people can go and uh, get more information and be able to sign up? Yep, dicks.com slash runyourrun. And if you Upload your times by May 19th. You, too, get a trophy and a shirt, and it's like you were at the race. Uh, and, I, and I'll tell you, having run some half marathons, that trophy <laughs> at the end is worth everything. Oh, that that, that sounds great. Uh, good stuff. We're visiting with Julie Foudy, uh, the great uh, soccer player for the United States of America on uh, our uh, SDCCU uh, fan hotline. You know, a couple, a few weeks ago, I was watching the uh, match between the U.S. Uh, national women against Belgium up at the LAFC. 
and uh, your 1999 team was honored. And boy, it seemed you know from a, a viewer standpoint, sitting in my living room uh, watching uh, the game actually was secondary because U.S. Uh, pounded Belgium that night. Uh, but just the uh, the interviews that were going on during that broadcast, uh, you, you girls down on the field at halftime, it brought back so many great memories to that that great thrilling win at the uh, Rose Bowl. Could you talk a little bit about that team getting back together? Because I would imagine uh, you guys probably uh, still stay in touch uh, fairly regularly. Yeah, we do, actually. We have a, a very large text chain that happens all the time <laughs> with the 99ers. Um, but interestingly enough, that was the first time we've had 18 of the 20 of us from that team actually together in one place since 1999. And we get together in smaller groups, but never that many of us. So I felt like I was back in college. It was a big party. It was so much fun. And with that group, which is what I always loved about that team, I mean, it was always so seamless in terms of how everyone got along and um, the love that people genuinely have for each other. And that doesn't change. I mean, it's the great thing about sports, right, is that I I tell them all the time, they're stuck with me forever, these teammates. (laughs) Um, and it was so fun. We just had such a great time that whole weekend. Hey, Julie, uh, when you take a look at the U.S. Uh, women's team right now as they get ready for the World Cup, uh, are we going to be in pretty good shape, you think? Actually, the U.S. is looking good. I mean, you've got um, – it's interesting because with the U.S. winning the last World Cup in 2015, you could argue that they did it on the backs of their defense. And this time around, the defense has looked more vulnerable – but the good news for the United States is, is they have a ton of talent up front. I mean, Alex Morgan, everyone, of course, knows her name, is playing so well. Tobin Heath, Megan Rapino, that front three the U.S. have, I think is the best in the world. So uh, although it's very hard to go back-to-back with World Cups, Germany is the only one who's done it on the women's side, I think this U.S. group could do it this summer for sure. We're visiting with Julie Foudy on the SDCCU uh, Fan Hotline. Uh, Julie, I think your team, and, and I think very much this team right now, have connected uh, with the young uh, ladies out there uh, you know, all over the country that play uh, club soccer, youth soccer. And you know, I wanted to ask you a little bit. I, I know that uh, uh, the, uh, the team had filed a lawsuit uh, with U.S. soccer regarding uh, getting equal pay uh, along uh, with the way the men are paid. Uh, you, where is that at right now? Because because when I, when I heard about that, uh, I was kind of actually appalled that uh, they weren't on uh, equal terms because what the U.S. women have done in this country has really brought a, a lot of youth soccer and club soccer people together to, to follow them and, and really connect with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they have filed a gender discrimination lawsuit against U.S. soccer. And, I mean, I think the surprising thing was as well, Coach, is that they did it just last month. Uh, actually uh, in March. Um, and so, you know, just a few months out from the World Cup, they're suing their very employer that's actually bringing them over to the World Cup. And so that makes things always interesting. But, yeah. you know, my first reaction was, um, and I've said this to some of the 99ers, you know, would we have done that that close to the World Cup? I'm not sure we would have had the courage to do it because it, it is a big distraction. Uh, and they're fighting for something that's very important, but also you're going into a World Cup, you know, having to think about this. And when you talk to the current team, they said, listen, what we're doing with the equal pay fight is probably more important 
than what we're doing on the field. It matters that much to us. And that's what I love about this group and a sense of they want to change the game for the better and leave it in a better place for the next generation. And they're willing to, um, and, they, and, you know, I talked to Megan Rapino and she said, hey, everything around this team is a big distraction. It's nothing new, you know. <laughs> it's a big focus around this team anyway. So we can handle it. We're fine. Uh, so yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna, obviously nothing is gonna get ruled on before the World Cup, but it's still, it's something we're gonna have to talk about leading into the World Cup, and it's something they clearly want to be talking about. You know, I'm glad you brought up Megan Rapino because about a year and a half ago, she did a camp, uh, down here in San Diego. My granddaughter went to, and it was a cold, uh, foggy night, uh, in a field here in San Diego, and her and her staff came out, and they did an absolutely incredible job. And you talk uh, about someone who connect with, uh, with young people, boy, uh, it's hard not to be a Megan Rapino fan after you're around her for five minutes. Yeah, she's a gem, and she's funny, and she's personable, and um, and that's the thing, you know, that I, I, I really love about this group is they're very aware about their role in inspiring that next generation and the impact they're having, and um, and it's it's fun for us as, you know, now the old bags, as we call ourselves, <laughs> to see our kids you know, so excited to the team and hang out with the team. And um, and it's like coming full circle, which is really neat for us. Hey, Julius, I'll let you get out of here. And we'd love to have you on as we get a little bit closer to the World Cup. That It's coming up here uh, sooner rather than later. Are you going to be broadcasting a little bit? Uh, you know, that's that goes to uh, the, the other guys, Fox. They have the rights to it now, sadly. So um, I will be over there for ESPN covering it for SportsCenter and uh, a lot of our shows. So I'll be over there for the for the full month. So I, I'll be happy to chat with you, Coach. Oh, we'll look Anytime. forward to that. Hey, uh, give out that website again because I think there'll be a lot of people now yes. that you've come on and make it aware uh, they're going to go to that Dick's website. Yeah, dicks.com slash run your run. Join the virtual race phenomenon. Sounds good. Julie, thanks so much for the time. Uh, always a pleasure. And anytime I hear that name, uh, it brings back a lot of great memories. Uh, thank you, Coach. Be well, Julie. There you go. Uh, one of the greats of uh, U.S. women's soccer, Julie Foudy, nice enough to join us on the SDCCU uh, fan hotline. And, uh, of course, our uh, fan hotline, you can uh, go to uh, and nominate SDCCU, the best credit union in the Union Tribune Reader's Poll, daily at sdccu.com slash nominate, San Diego County Credit Union. It's not big bank banking. It's better. We're going to get out to our uh, next guest, and I'm uh, very excited about having this gentleman on. I remember him playing at Notre Dame uh, all those great years uh, in the National Football League after spending the uh, first three years of his professional career up in Canada. He was a great baseball player. He's a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, the winningest quarterback in Washington Redskins history, and a tremendous broadcaster in his own right. Great uh, honor to welcome uh, on the SDCCU fan hotline, uh, Joe Theismann to the program. Joe, good morning, and thanks for the time. How are you today? It's nice to catch up with you. Thanks for having me. Uh, very nice to have you. Well, uh, you've definitely been in the news the last couple of days regarding uh, the, the number seven. And, uh, you know, it's pretty amazing, Joe, when you look at the uh, Redskins history of all the great players, uh, the only uh, number that's ever actually been retired was Sammy Baugh, number 33, and that was a long time ago. But nobody's wore your number seven since you wore it in 1985. Yeah, it's been about uh, been about thirty five years. Uh, they never drafted a seven, I guess. That was the way it was, and 
you know, I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna start a little push that they should retire 21, which was Sean Taylor, and you know, it would it wouldn't look right seeing another 44 running around. And of course, Sean was a great safety for us, and such a beloved individual. I'd like to see both those names added. Mine, I guess it's, you know, now it depends on Dwayne uh, to see what he can do with it going forward. Joe, how did this come about? Could you kind of take us through uh, uh, he contacted you and, uh, you know, kind of take it from there? Well, uh, originally what happened, um, I had read where he wanted to wear, I knew he was number seven, obviously, watching him in college, and he had mentioned that he wanted to uh, talk to me about wearing the, the number. And so I reached out to him, uh, got the information I needed to, to reach out to him and had a brief discussion with him and basically said, you know, I don't have a problem with it, um, but you might want to consider maybe your own legacy under uh, your own number. And I told him to take some time to think about it. And he called me back uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, and, and um he said, I really would like to wear number seven. I said, that's fine. I think it's great. I, if there's anything that I can do to take any kind of pressure off the young man, I'm more than happy to do it. And, you know, it would have been one of those continuing dialogues of, well, you know, you don't have Joe's number and all that baloney. And it just, I think it, I want to make the transition into professional football as easy as possible for him because the challenges are monumental anyway. Remember, the young man's only played one year of college football. And, and I don't, you know, everybody says, oh, you know, it's big-time college football. Phil Sims came out of a very small school and had a great career. You don't have to play big-time football to be a big-time football player. And I just think that it's one less thing that really needs to be worried about. But it'll be interesting to see a, um, a much more stout number seven running around on the football field <laughs> than the skinny little guy I was. Uh, we're visiting with Joe Theismann on the SDCCU uh, fan hotline. Now, have you met Dwayne Haskins in person yet? I have not, no. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm planning on seeing him. The rookies are in the weekend of the ninth, so I'm planning on going out to the park and, and getting a chance to meet him and watch all the other young additions to our football team have a chance to go out and play a little bit. But, I, you know, in talking to him, we grew up probably within 20 minutes of one another in New Jersey, central Jersey. He's from around the Piscataway, uh, Somerville area, and I grew up in South River, and it's right in Middlesex County, so it would be fun to, to visit with him for a little bit. Hey, did you throw some Redskins trivia questions at him to see if he's uh, boned up on his <laughs> Redskin history? Not yet, no. <laughs> the, the conversations were short and sweet and to the point, so he has uh, he's dealing with a lot of things as a young man getting ready. It, it's going to be – it'll be interesting. I mean, it, there's there's a lot of pressure because we've been – there have been 35 different starting quarterbacks in Washington since I got hurt in 85. Huh. Uh, and I, from, from one game to, you know, 20 games. Um, what's really crazy, and, and it, this is just a statistic that goes with the, the franchise, is I believe Sammy Ball has the most consecutive starts at 111 or something like that. I'm second on the all-time list with 99 consecutive starts. I believe Mark Rippon is third at 78. And it just amazes me when you think of the, the San Francisco 49ers or the Green Bay Packers where they've had you know, a couple of quarterbacks that played through two decades, Steve there and Joe and, of course, Brett and, and Aaron, um, and, and just different, different teams that have had 
such stability. And that's the one thing that we've really lacked is whether it's through injury, whether it's through performance, whether it's through philosophical changes, you never know. But we really need to find somebody. And and Dwayne hopefully will be that guy. You know, Joe, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your quarterback. I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. I met you many years ago. You came out and, and spoke uh, uh, at a breakfast out here, and I remember listening to you talk, and you talked a little bit about when you came out of Notre Dame, you got drafted originally. A lot of people may not even remember this. You got drafted by Miami, and uh, you ended up uh, uh, going to Canada, and you played up there in uh, Canada for three years, and uh, I know two of the three years you were an all-star. That other uh, one year, you got hurt, if I'm not mistaken, and then you came back to the National Football league and it wasn't like you came in and became a star overnight i mean you really paid your dues and ended up having just a unbelievable nfl career well i was i was very blessed to be with a, a you know great organization great people spent my first two years as a punt returner right in the national football league which actually i, I spent my first <laughs> seven games in college at my sophomore year as a punt returner um i could always catch the ball and i was i was more quick than fast but, uh, you know, once you get by people, if they're running one way and you're running the other, huh. you look like you're really running fast. So uh, I managed to do that. And then I sat for a couple of years. And then in 1978, Jack Pardee replaced George Allen. And he gave me the opportunity to be the starter. And I owe everything to Jack for giving me that chance. And then Coach Gibbs came in in 81, and our fortunes changed considerably. Uh, when Coach took over in 81, we won the championship in 82, go back in 83, win the division in 84 and then in 85 i uh people call it the accident i had an accident accidents what happens to cars they run into one another what happened to me was i a lawrence taylor uh bus ran into me uh, that that was uh not uh, fun to watch in fact i watched it live on television i never watched the replay i did you ever watch the replay of that i only i've only seen it once coach in the last 34 years. Um, on the 20th anniversary, a gentleman by the name of Dave Haberstein came down from the uh, New York Times. He wanted to sort of document the 20th quote-unquote anniversary of my injury. Of course, it was against the Giants. So there was a you know New York connection, I guess. And I, I looked at it. As soon as it was over, I turned away and I made a promise to myself I'd never see it again. And I haven't, and I won't. Yeah, well, you watched it one more time over the last 34 than I did. I, I saw it uh, live, and that's all I needed to see, to be honest with you. Yeah, I saw it live, too. Yeah, I know you did. Hey, hey, Joe, when you watch guys play quarterback now, and I know there's a lot of different things, and you know they look at tape, and they've got different schemes and all this and that, and the rules are a lot uh, different. You ever think about some of the numbers these quarterbacks are putting up, saying, man, if I could have played in this era with these rules on uh, against the defense, the numbers I could have put up, because you put up great numbers when you were playing, but man, sometimes it's like basketball on grass right now. It really is. And, you know, so much is it the system you play in. I mean, you, you, everybody's everybody's in the gun. I never played. I played one game in the shotgun. It was against the Bears in 84. That's the only game I ever was not under center for passing downs in a particular football game. It wasn't something Joe Gibbs liked. Joe, uh, Joe Montana never was uh, in the gun. Uh, he, he never took – Bill Walsh didn't like it and Joe didn't like it. I played one game. I loved it. 1985, first game of the of the uh, preseason. Uh, my center, I won't mention his name, Jeff Bostic, uh, <laughs> sn- 
snapped it over my head on the first snap when we were playing the Raiders out in the Coliseum. I walked to the sidelines, and Coach said, no more shotgun. I said, Joe, and he used to go, eh. I said, Coach, he go, eh. He said, no more shotgun. That's it. We're done. So that was I, I managed to play um, one game and probably one snap in the gun. But, yeah, it, it's different. I look at the economics. I mean, is anybody worth $35 million, $30 million, $33 million? If anybody is, it's the quarterback, obviously, because, you know, they're the ones that handle the ball 65 times a game. But, um, you know, the numbers have just gotten crazy and, and good for the guys. I'm not one of those guys that sits there and says, you know, I was part of the history of this game and we were the ones that made it. Hey, listen, it, the world is full of free enterprise opportunities. And I think it's absolutely wonderful that young guys can get whatever they want, or young ladies in the WNBA or in golf or whatever it can be. If you can go out and compete and the situation allows you to economically capitalize on it, good for you. Uh, and, and so, but it's a different game. And I played in a system where we were run based. You know, we had John Riggins, I had Joe Washington, I had Nick Chiquinto, I had, I had facts, you know, uh, I had guys that could run the football and we controlled the game that way. We had the, the moniker of the Hogs, those five guys up front who could control the game. So even in this era, and Joe tried to come back and coach in this era, but it was different for him when he came back because it was a more wide-open game. Uh, it's fun to watch. And, and, I mean, I laugh when I look at some of the calls they call on quarterbacks for getting touched. Not hit, <laughs> touched. A very good uh, point. Hey, I wanted to ask you, did you follow the draft at all this year? A little bit, yeah. Well, what mm -hmm. do you think uh, the, the general manager of the Giants, just uh, he got crucified for uh, taking that kid out of Duke, Daniel Jones. And I would think that, you know, with that guy's pedigree, working with David Cutcliffe, uh, he's probably been to the Manning camp a couple of times. I would imagine Eli and Peyton probably signed off on him. Any thoughts on Daniel Jones? I think you're absolutely right. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Nobody talked about it. It's a similar situation, just one other person, Kyler Murray. The system that he came out of in Oklahoma was similar to the one that Kingsbury will run probably in Arizona. So you have a familiarity. So the draft pick makes sense. Uh, with Daniel Jones, it's the same thing. And you cited all the reasons that I thought that it, it made a lot of sense for the Giants. I, you know, I mean, after you got by Kyle Murray's union, Wayne Haskins, whether it's Daniel Jones, whether it's um, – um, Locke, Drew Locke, it, it didn't matter. They all, to me, were about the same. Um, none of them should be starters, except Kyler's probably going to have to be out there. But I think all of them should be given a chance to be able to work themselves in. That's what the Giants' plans are, uh, for sure there. So, you know, when, when you start to look around the league, Will Greer down in Carolina is another one that won the second round. Uh, behind Cam, depending upon Cam's health. He'll get a lot of reps now, which is good for him. But there wasn't anybody that just jumped off the, off the page and said, wow. But, yeah, I think there were reasons why there were people taken ahead of Dwayne. And, and to be honest with you, I don't think the Redskins ever expected him to be at 15. I think they were probably going to go Daniel Jones um, if, if the Giants hadn't taken him. So, you know, I mean – Everybody sort of got what they want. I thought the Redskins had a terrific draft. They filled a lot of holes. They got a pass rusher, got some offensive linemen, a little more depth at running back, added some speed at wide receiver. 
uh, got a young quarterback. So I, I think overall they did a good job. Hey, Joe, I'll let you get out of here on this. Fans are, are all – they want me to ask this question, I know. What all is Joe uh, Thigh's been doing these days? I know you do a lot of speaking <laughs> to, to groups and you travel around the country doing that, but what else you got going right now? Uh, well, we're, uh, I took my granddaughter to school this morning. I had a great time. <laughs> Dropped her off at school this morning. I'll pick her up later today. We're going to take the other ones to go see uh, the Avenger movie, the, you know, the end game. Three hours uh, and two so minutes, Joe. Three hours and two and minutes. So- I love action packed. I mean, you got to remember if you're a part of this movie, if you're in this movie, you don't have a lot of lines because every every Marvel superstar that exists is in the movie. <laughs> so it's, it's it's a it's a simple shoot, but I've got a couple couple three commercials that I'm going to be shooting here soon. We're talking about another Hallmark movie. I finished my second one in December which ran called Snow Coming. So, we yeah, had little movies, little commercials, love the speeches, working on my golf game trying to get that ready for uh, the American Century Tournament in July, and then spending time with the family. So it's, And then I've got a book coming out in about, I want to get it out by September, called How to Be a Champion Every Day. Well, that and, sounds uh, like a so, winner. Edward, I appreciate that. Thank you. And it's based basically off of the presentations that I do, but it's it's been a passion and in progress for about five years, and it's time to put it to print and get it out there. Well, I'll tell you so what. Other than that, I'm really doing nothing. Just yeah, well, we, we out, miss you, you know? on Sunday Night Football. I can tell you that. I, you and Mike Patrick were unbelievable on Sunday Night Football. I know that's uh, oh. a few years back now, but uh, uh, us football fans uh, appreciated uh, that broadcast uh, all the time. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, good for Dwayne Haskins. He gets to wear number seven. But you know what? He has a lot to live up to. There's no question about it because I think uh, people around the uh, country and definitely Washington Redkins fans, they, they know who that number seven seven really belongs to so hey joe thanks for the time and uh we'll look forward uh, to having you on and we'll definitely get you on uh, before that book comes out thanks coach i appreciate it you take care be well joe bye-bye there you go uh, the great uh, joe theisman of the washington redskins let's get back to the phones we head out to south park paul you're uh, kicking off the seven o'clock hour with coach john Cantero on 97.3 the fan paul how are you today Hey, good morning, Coach. Uh, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. I'm a little uh, bitter about the way that eighth inning went last night for the Padres. They load the bases. They get a ground out and two strikeouts, and uh, you know, don't really make much of an effort to win that ball game late last night. Well, yeah, that was uh, that was uh, not productive hitting, the clutch hitting for sure. The reason I'm calling today, I wanted your opinion, and also I'm hoping uh, some of the other fans will call in about. Uh, Andy Green's decision to to lead off Will Myers, who's in one of the worst. Uh, Coach, I'm 62 years old, been a lifelong, I love sports. So I, I'm a pretty analytical guy, consider myself smarter than your average bear. And I see Coach, the manager Green, he starts Myers at leadoff. He struck out 40% of his at-bats this year. You know that, right, Coach? Right. And, and... He's already he's already mentioned that the team needs to be more productive at the leadoff position. He's starting a guy making his first professional start, and he hands him the ball. Says, "Here you go, Rook. Go, you know, good luck to you. And we're going to support you by starting off Will Myers in the leadoff position, who's striking out forty percent of his at bats. I, I, it was one of the most illogical, irrational decisions I've seen a, a manager make in, in many, 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 many years. I'm just wondering what your opinion on that is." And other fans, what they're thinking about this. Will Myers, 
Coach, I'm going to say one more thing. They, they signed him to a contract extension two years ago that I think they're already regretting. Next year, Will Myers starts making $20 million a year. Will Myers is a career 253 hitter. His best year was his rookie year when he hit 293. He hasn't hit above 260 since then. Will Myers is an average player. I think they oversigned him to the money that they gave him. And you heard the expression, if it walks like a duck and if it quacks <laughs> like a duck, it's a duck. Well, Will Myers is a lame duck. He's an average ball player, He's not, but they're going to be playing him uh, paying them elite money starting next year. What's your opinion? I'm going to hang up. Listen well, to well, hang on. Before you go, Paul, I want to ask you, and I'll give you my opinion, but what would your – if you were manager Andy Green right now, what would you do with him? If you're the Padre organization, you can't trade him right now because nobody's going to take him. Number one, Absolutely. he's not all that productive. And number two, right. uh, the Padres would have to eat a ton of money. So uh, right. if you're the Padre, what do you do with Will Myers right now? Uh, honestly, coach, uh, a little old school managing. You 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 give them the the talking. I think they call to these ball ball players too much. I think he needs a good chewing out. So you know, uh, his first two at bats yesterday, you saw him, coach. They were atrocious. He was flailing at the ball. You could tell his head's not in it. I think they need to sit him down for a week, and 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 uh, and and bat him bat him. Six, seventh, or eighth in the lineup. Okay, yeah, well, let me say this, Paul. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to play the part of Andy Green here, and you may say I'm all wet, but the best place for a guy that is struggling is probably in the eighth spot. Well, maybe not even the eighth spot because you got the pitcher, and they can you know pitch around you there. But if you want a guy to get back on track and get a bunch of fastballs, stick him right in the leadoff spot. He's had some experience there. He's going to get more fastballs in the leadoff spot. I mean, you especially with a guy like Reyes who had hit two homers and uh, you know hit uh, that double the other night and drove in three runs. You're probably going to get better pitches uh, uh, in that spot than anywhere else in the lineup. And you know what? But Andy just trying to figure out and try to get this guy started one way or the other. Well, I, I guess I guess I guess that is their approach. But hitting them lead off, I'll, I'll never buy into that. You know, you need production there. And oh, I agree. I, I I don't disagree with that. But you know what? Uh, the other problem you deal with, and I, Paul, I thank you very much uh, for the uh, uh, phone call. I appreciate that. Uh, the other problem you have, you never ever want to devalue uh, your players, and especially when he's the third highest player on the ball club and your general manager's probably been uh, trying to trade him for about a year now. I, I definitely think they were trying to move him uh, during the off season. Now, this was uh, Andy Green talking about why Will Myers is leading off. Yeah, we haven't seen a lefty in a long time, and just with the current lineup we have without uh, Fernando in there, we're going to be looking for kind of that catalyst there. Uh, kind of came into the year and had Kinsler penciled in at that spot and hasn't been able to kind of capitalize on that. Still have belief that he's going to before this is uh, said and done this year. But right now, uh, Will was our best choice today going into the lineup against them, going in against them today. Well, Paul, you asked, and we uh, got uh, why uh, he was in that leadoff spot for manager Andy Green because Max Fried, a left-hander, was on the mound. But I still think the reason you lead him off, you want to get him more fastballs right now and try to get him back on track. We're going to have a giveaway here shortly, but back to the phones we go. Manny in South Bay, you're on with Coach John Cantero on 97.3 The Fan. Good morning, Manny. How we doing? We're doing good, Coach. Even though we lost, man, it was still productive. Remember, we had a rookie on the mound 
who took us into a really good game up until the eighth inning when our bats, again, go cold. We weren't productive, though, Manny. We weren't productive in that eighth inning with the bases loaded and nobody out. Oh, we were. We were. But then again, you know, the time comes down to it. I'm not saying we're doing good. I mean, we're doing bad. I'm just saying that, you know, I'd rather have a slump now in the beginning and make a push near the end of the season. I mean, we, we, we load bases. We get base runners. We're doing good. There's, there's nothing wrong going on. Andy Green, manager of the year. He's doing – I don't think he's ever had a lineup like this with any roster full that he's had choices from left to right to pull from. You know, all, just everybody's kind of struggling right now. Machado is struggling. We call up Ty France. He's struggling. It's all right, bro. Have, has anybody heard of a guy named Chris Davis? You remember <laughs> what Chris Davis started off with? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's all right. I think it's phenomenal what we're doing. Our pitching is keeping us in it. Once our bats wake up, I called in earlier in the season about Will Myers that we needed to trade him for a right-hander or a left-hander. But after AJ got... Oh, Manny, I lost you there, buddy. Uh, sorry. Uh, look forward to hearing from you again on that. Uh, with that, we've got to give away... a. a uh, some tickets right here. Be the ninth caller right now to make your pick in the 97.3 The Fan Ticket Draft. Pick a pair of tickets to see shows all summer long at the North Island Credit Union Amphitheater. Reminder, National Concert Week got underway yesterday, May 1st through May 7th to celebrate concert season. Live Nation is offering $20 all-in tickets for shows like Brad Paisley and Santana. You can get tickets right now at ncw.livenation.com. Be the ninth caller right now at 833 288-0973. And you know what? I understand the struggles of Will Myers. Very frustrating. Very frustrating to watch because he's got a lot of ability. He just, for whatever reason, can't put it together for long stretches of time. And when he gets on a track, he normally is working the ball to right center field. To me, watching Will, he uh, lets his front side to fly open, and he can't get to that pitch on the outer third of the plate. He's To me, he's a little bit too pull-happy. He needs to work the middle of the diamond in right center field a lot more, and that'll keep him in on those pitches. But I, I think Andy, aside from being a left-handed pitcher and sticking him in that leadoff spot, you want to try to put him in a position where he's going to get more fastballs than breaking balls right now, and putting him in front of a guy like Fran Mel Reyes is not a bad idea at all. Want to know what happened with the Friars? It's time for Padres Rewind. He's hot. He's hot. And nobody on the 2-1. High fly ball, deep right center field. To the track is Will Myers. Makes the one-hand grab. Easy tag by Albies. He can jog on home. He does. And for the first time in the three games, the Atlanta Braves have scored first. Here in a sacrifice fly by Dansby Swanson. one nothing. Atlanta. Here's another 3-2, and that one is rifled out to deep center field. is not going to catch this one. He looks up, and it's going to go. A missile home run just to the left of straightaway center field. There you go, Manny, number five on the season. And the game is tied 1-1 here in the fourth. To starter, ground ball, past the pitcher, up the middle, center field base hit. Cal was not in good position and is followed through normally. They're going to try to get an extra bag here. Coming in, the throw from Myers. Not in time, a head first slide. The 2-2, that's lined, great dive here. Ty France to his left, up, throws, great stretch to stay on the bag. By Hosmer, out at first base. 
Out of the windup, Perdomo delivers the 2-1, grounded to the left side. Machado, backhand, off balance, throw to the plate. Mejia is tagged, not in time. Ball pops out of his mitt, and the Braves do extend their lead. 3-1 Atlanta here in the seventh. 1-0 pitch is launched out to deep left field. Renfro's going back. He is looking up. He climbs the fence, but it's going to go. Dansby Swanson with his sixth home run of the year. This is a two-run shot. Behind in the count, though, a ball and two strikes. Tomlin is ready and set. Pitch on the way. Taken on the inside corner. Strike three called, and the inning is over. Padres had the bases loaded. Nobody out. Down four, and they do not score. Minter on a dozen pitches right now. The Leeling out in front. Fastball. Didn't take any off. Didn't throw any breaking balls. Got rid of everybody with all fastballs. Strikeout. Ground ball strikeout. Minter does a heck of a job in the non-save situation. The starters are the pitchers of record. The Padres go in order in the ninth inning. That was your Padres Rewind on 97.3 The Fan. That was best of coach. Five to nine mornings right here on 97.3 The Fan. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.